Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. Uh, Christmas at the movies, week two. I love this series. It's so much fun. Uh, it's a great excuse all week long to watch a bunch of Christmas movies. Um, I watched Die Hard this week. Um, it is a Christmas movie. It's not a very good movie. Like, I watched it, and I was like, this really isn't good. Like, there's like three one-liners that are cool, and ugh, the rest of it. So, um, so anyway, um, still a Christmas movie. Because uh, it happens at Christmas. and uh, But there you go. Uh, if you were here last week, I did my uh, defense of Die Hard as a Christmas movie. Um, I was also, I'd only watched the TV edited Die Hard uh, before this rendition. I was like, oh, I feel embarrassed in telling everyone to go watch Die Hard. Uh, so, um, uh, <laughs> so there's that. Uh, watch the TV edited version. That's the official statement from the platform here at church. Uh, anyway, getting all the awkward stuff out. It's a hot in here. Uh, so. Anyway, uh, Christmas at the movies. So today we're talking about one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, Home Alone. Yes. Uh, I did not watch Home Alone for a long, 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 long time. Um, and if you haven't, it came out, basically I was the age of Kevin McAllister, the main character, when it came out. So uh, my mom did not want me watching a bratty little nine-year-old uh, run around the house and do pranks. I wonder why. Uh, so uh, she she was against that. So I don't I didn't I had like sneak at uh, my friend Adam Goss' house to watch at Home Alone for the first time, and uh, that's when that happened. But um, you know I was a real daring ten-year-old sneaking Home Alone, right? Uh, so uh, that's what how that worked out. But watching uh, Home Alone, if you have an 8, 9, 10-year-old at home, that is a new experience. And the belly laughter that comes out of your child watching Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2 is worth it. So if you are in that stage of life as an 8, 9, 10-year-old boy, if you have one, where you, you want to wring their neck a lot because that's like comes with, a, comes with the process, like it's, it's okay. It, it, it's, that's there. Watch Home Alone with them, and you'll love them for like an hour. Uh, I mean, like them. You love them all the time, right? Uh, you'll like them for a little bit. But uh, it's just hilarious. Kelly was falling asleep on the couch, and she kept on waking up to Bowen, just belly laughing all over the place because of a paint can hitting a guy in the face or, you know, the hair catching on fire or whatever goofiness micro machine. I could see the wheels. Like, how could I get dad with this? I was like, I will kill you. Um <laughs> It happened. So uh, we're going to watch a little bit of that. Before that, I wanted to thank the Hicks uh, for uh, doing our Advent reading this week. Uh, that was awesome. Awesome, 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 awesome. <laughs> wanted to do something a little different and have the Spanish reading with it. Um, I love listening to uh, the scripture read in Spanish. Um, I understand like one of every five words. Um, but I'm, that's better than one out of every ten where I used to be, right? So I'm, I'm getting better. I just, it's just. I like it. Um, and I also, Christmas is for everyone. And so I want to engage that, engage that into our hearts, engage that into our minds uh, this Christmas season. Uh, so we're going to watch a movie clip in just a moment. It happens uh, right before the climax of the movie, right before the paint cans start flying and the ice happens and all the goofy stuff happens. There's this scene. And until I watched it just a few weeks ago with Bowen, I did not remember this scene. 
I remember the plot. I remember the fun. I remember the, 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 the battle scene, right, where all the, the goofy stuff happens. I did not remember this scene at all. In the scene we're going to watch is the whole point of the movie. This scene is when it's slow and it's quiet and it's reflective. And I did not remember that at all. Now, maybe that's the point you need to take from this whole Christmas season as in the slow and in the quiet of Christmas is where the point is. So just let that sit for a second. Like we, sometimes we, we just go, we are Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Do we have a party on Monday? I don't think on Monday. I think Monday is our day of rest next week. But like we've got, we're driving all over the Midwest. We're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I'll be, we'll be back for church on Sunday, but we're doing all this stuff. And we have class, the kids are doing the solar things. Thanks, teacher, for having it at Christmas time. But we got to make all these uh, dioramas and all that jazz. We have to because the kids are, you know, you, we got to do that. Uh, we got like, I got to spray paint styrofoam balls and all the, the, the fun stuff. You know, you do all those things somewhere in that mix. But I was like, hey, we got Christmas parties to go to. We're in a hurry. We've got things. We've got, we've got lists of stuff. And if you're not careful... You're going to miss the point of Christmas. You got to slow down enough to remember what this is all about. You got to slow down enough to breathe it in. You got to slow down enough to reflect. You got to slow down enough just to enjoy what Christmas is all about. All right. And so in this clip, we're going to talk about um, the main, the idea of the, the movie is actually overcoming fear. And what that looks like. I I always thought it was about this bratty kid. And and really in this moment, because I'd forgotten the slow down spot of how it really uh, enters this realm of dealing with fear. And so, Kevin, why don't you go ahead and play this movie clip and we'll come back and talk about it in a second. That's my granddaughter up there. The little red-haired girl. She's about your age. You know her? No. You live next to me, don't you? You can say hello when you see me. You don't have to be afraid. There's a lot of things going around about me, but none of it's true. Okay? Been a good boy this year? I think so. You swear to it? No. Yeah, I had a feeling. Well, this is the place to be if you're feeling bad about yourself. It is? I think so. Are you feeling bad about yourself? No. I'm in kind of a pain lately. I said some things I shouldn't have. I really haven't been too good this year. Yeah. I'm kind of upset about it because I really like my family. Even though sometimes I say I don't. Sometimes I even think I don't. Do you get that? I think so. How you feel about your family is a complicated thing. Especially with an older brother. Deep down, you always love him. You can forget that you love them. And you can hurt them, and they can hurt you. And that's not just because you're young. You want to know the real reason why I'm here right now? Sure. I came to hear my granddaughter sing. And I can't come and hear her tonight. You have plans? No. I'm not welcome. At church? Oh, you're always welcome at church. I'm not welcome with my son. Years back, before you and your family moved on the block, I had an argument with my son. How old is he? Well, he's grown up. 
we lost our tempers. And I said I didn't care to see him anymore. He said the same. We haven't spoken to each other since. If you miss him, why don't you call him? I'm afraid if I call him, he won't talk to me. How do you know? I don't know. I'm just afraid he won't. No offense, but aren't you a little old to be afraid? You can be a little old for a lot of things. You're never too old to be afraid. That's true. I've always been afraid of our basement. It's dark, there's weird stuff down there, and it smells funny, that sort of thing. It's bothered me for years. The basements are like that. Then I made myself go down there to do some laundry, and I found out it's not so bad. All this time I've been worrying about it, but if you turn on the lights, it's no big deal. What's your point? My point is you should call your son. What if he won't talk to me? At least you'll know. Then you can stop worrying about it. And he won't have to be afraid anymore. I don't care how mad I was, I talked to my dad. Especially around the holidays. I don't know. Just give it a shot. For your granddaughter anyway. I'm sure she misses you. And the presents. I sent her a check. Wish my grandparents did that. They always send me clothes. Last year, I got a sweater with a big burr knitted on it. Oh, that's nice. Not for a guy in the second grade. You can get beat up for wearing something like that. Oh? Yeah. I have a friend who got nailed because there was a rumor he wore dinosaur pajamas. You better run along home where you belong. You think about what I said, all right? Okay. It's nice talking to you. Nice talking to you. about you? Me? Yeah, you and your son. We'll see what happens. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. See, you, you guys forgot the scene too. You didn't know there was a point to Home Alone. Uh, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. Here's a cool little fan theory about uh, Home Alone that you guys may not have known. Uh, if you remember the beginning scene where this guy is introduced um, or where he first comes in contact with Kevin, he's got this huge cut on his hand. And it's all bloody and wrapped up. And as his character progresses and heals in the relationship with his son, the wound uh, gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And he waves to him at the end and it's all healed when he sees his son. It's kind of cool how he's got that whole little extra thing. So you, you just had an awe moment in Home Alone. Who knew? Uh, but um, I thought that was really, really neat. Uh, so I wanted to share uh, with you. I've watched the movie like 18 times this week. So I'm really I'm like an expert on uh, Kevin McAllister. <laughs> so that's what's happening. Um, when we talk about fear, when we talk about Christmas, Christmas is a season of overcoming fear. Um, if you look at... All the different things going on in the scripture at this moment. It's a season of overcoming fear. It has this uh, very laser-like focus. And every person who comes into contact with something being called in their life at Christmas time, they're scared out of their minds. And what happens is they, they have to push through, persevere through that fear, fight through that fear, so they get to be part of this huge blessing that will be the coming of the Savior. That this is a season of overcoming 
fear. It's a season of overcoming fear for, uh, for Kevin as he gets ready to do battle with the, uh, the, the wet bandits or whatever those guys are called. It's a season of overcoming fear for um, this uh, gentleman who's got to overcome the, the fear of can he restore his family, right? Now, many of you aren't going to be battling off home invaders this Christmas season, but some of you might be fighting that other fight. Is that person going to be at that party? Can we be in the same room together? Can we go through that? Oh, I always say no to that party. I get invited every year, but I'm not touching it. Why? Because we're going to... Is that fear keeping you from restoration? Is that fear keeping you from the blessing? That can be this moment in Christmas. Think about the triumphs of your life. Think about this moment. There's a, we don't remember this season because we don't go back. We remember the victory. We don't remember the fear before the victory. I think about, um, I don't suffer from the fear that Kelly might say no to me when I ask her to marry me anymore. I'm over that, right? Like, I don't revisit that fear. That was a very real fear. I was a knucklehead. Like, like if I asked Kelly to marry me, she could be like, no, that ring's too small. You can't afford this. You're a jerk. All things were true. Um, but would she say, no, like, that's a, that's a fear. I don't have that fear anymore. Like, she's not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to marry you. Wait, 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 baby, we've been married for, like, forever now. Um, like, you can't say no now. Like, that's, that part's past. She might get mad at me for other things, but she can't say no now. That fear, um, I don't go back and revisit the fear of if Kelly's going to lose the twins. Right? If you've ever been pregnant, if you've ever been a dad, uh, I, know, I, know, I know, ladies, you're involved in the whole pregnancy thing, but it's really hard on us guys. Um, <laughs> that is a joke. No hate mail. Uh, but it is. It is. It is. It is because if you're a control freak, I don't know who would be that person, but if you're a control freak, you can't stand pregnancy because you can't do anything about it. There is something cooking in there and you can't help. You can't do it. This is why guys like get all the furniture and they start putting it together because they're like, I, I, I can manage the crib. No, I can't. It's a, you know, then that's, it's all because if I can't make the crib, I'm going to be a terrible father. And that's all going on. They might be very stoic about the whole idea, but that's what's going on in your head and why you get cranky. That, there you go. You didn't need to know that. And guys are like, why are you telling our, all of our secrets? You jerk. Um, sorry. Uh, but there's this, there's a, this fear, like Kelly's pre- pregnant with twins. And there's complications. And I'm like, what if I lose the, what if we lose the kids? What if I lose Kelly? All the, these fears. I don't go back to fear of losing the twins anymore. Like that's, that's not a thing. They're nine. Um, they're not, I didn't lose them. They're not going to die in, 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 in pregnancy. That's not going to happen. Um, I don't have that to deal with that fear anymore. But I re, now I get to deal with what's now. That comes with plenty of other fears, but I don't have to deal with that particular fear. Oftentimes in our, uh, when we deal with fear, when we deal with issues, when we deal with stuff, like we, we can get paralyzed by the, the fear of what was in the past. and It makes absolutely no sense. That fear doesn't apply to our lives anymore. Are we mired by that fear? Like, why would I go back in time and be scared about something I've already had victory over? And so uh, I think that's one of the reasons we don't remember this scene in Home Alone is I don't have to remember the fear part. I get to laugh at the victory. 
And so uh, as we explore this idea of fear this morning, I want to bring this point to you. As maybe you're dealing with your own fear issues, as maybe you're dealing with your own stuff, is this. Blessing is on the other side of fear. Blessing is on the other side of fear. Blessing is on the other side of fear. If you look at the scripture, you look at the Christmas stories, every time, in, not even just the Christmas stories, but all throughout scripture, there's these moments of intense fear, of intense like, how in the world am I going to do this? The whole Moses story is all this kind are of, are, are you serious? Really? Like the whole Christmas story over and over and over again, fear is put in your face. Fear is put in your face. And all this huge, immense blessing is just on the other side of that. Just on the other side of those fear moments. Blessing is on the other side of fear. See, Kevin is scared because of the showdown with the thieves. The old man is scared about the restoration of his, of his family. Mary is scared because she's going to be an unwed teenage mother. We got 14, 15-year-old girls in here. You are the age of Mary. Think about that. That's crazy. <laughs> like, yeah, yikes uh, from a, a mother of a teenage girl. All right, so think about that. That's who we're talking about in these moments. Joseph is scared because his reputation is going to be ruined. Ruined. He's just starting out. Usually what would happen is you would apprentice as a, as a um, after you failed out of rabbi school, you would go to um, every, everybody who's a carpenter or anything else, they fail, and a Jewish boy, they failed out of rabbi school. Um, and so you would apprentice yourself to a carpenter or a stonemason or whatever you would be, a uh, fisherman, what, whatever trade you're choosing for basically your 20s, until you were at the time that you could afford your own tools, afford um, your own boat, whatever that is, and then you would go out on your own and you would get a wife. And so you're normally around 30 years old and getting a teenage bride. That's how It might sound weird to you or creepy to you, whatever, but that's just how that worked in that. And so here is Joseph. Think about this. I've worked for the last 10, 15 years to build up a reputation that I'm a good apprentice, that I can be trusted. And I'm sinking my money, all everything I've ever earned into these tools. And now I got a wife and, and my life's getting ready to start. And you're pregnant with God's child. <laughs> right? You see the, the, the problem we have here? Um, and so that's happening. And so the fear of Joseph is everything I've worked for is just going to be thrown out the window. Like, what? why? And so he's got a big fear. We, we kind of discount Joseph a lot at Christmas and understandably why. But I think there's a lot going on with him that just is, uh, is, pretty, is pretty cool. Anyway, the shepherds are scared because the night is lit up by an army of angels. Could you imagine? You're just hanging out. Watching the sheep, you know, around a campfire, no marshmallows to be had because it's, you know, that time. But, you know, we were just hanging out. All of a sudden, the whole night sky, the army of God is yelling at you. Don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, buddy. Uh, the night sky is just lit up. It starts singing to you. That'd be pretty cool and pretty scary. Herod, King Herod is scared because a new king is being born. Now, only one of these guys, King Herod, refuses to overcome the fear 
into a step into the blessing. King Herod gets too scared. Why? Because he's trying to hold on to what he has. The fear overwhelms him. And so King Herod does one of the worst atrocities in the history of the Bible is instead of welcoming this, this baby, he sends out the order to kill all the three-year-olds and under in, that are found in the region of Bethlehem. We often, that's not a fun Christmas story to talk about either, right? But there's a genocide that happens because King Herod is so scared. He is living in the fear that maybe he'll be supplanted by this new king that has been born. See, Mary is, is struck with the fear of what is it going to be like? What is this going to do with my life? What, I had a plan. I was supposed to marry Joseph. I, I, this is not the way this is supposed to go. Joseph steps into that moment of fear and says, okay, I'll, I'll just kind of like divorce her, put her away. We'll be okay. We'll just be like, well, this didn't really happen, whatever. He's got a decent plan. God says, don't do that. I've got something better for you. And he steps through that and he gets, Mary and Joseph get to parent the son of God. They get to be a part of it. Like if you're a parent and you get to, right now, uh, Lucy's in, she's starting to actually make sentences. I have a, a 20, uh, two-month-old, I think, now at home. Um, it's going really fast. But she's in that moment where she's actually starting to communicate. Can you imagine having a toddler Jesus at home? <laughs> like, oh, you're starting to do miracles. That's cool. Could you do the laundry? Uh, you know what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I don't know what that was like. I wish I wish we had a, a video camera at that time to be like, whoa, what was, what was 16-year-old Jesus like? like what, what did that look like? But they got to parent the son of God because they overcame their fear. The shepherds got the coolest campfire story of all time. Like, you know, that guy's like, well, I saw a lion once. Yeah, I saw an army of angels. I win. <laughs> that that one-up story is done. Okay. Because they overcame the fear and stepped into the blessing. Let's define blessing before we go too much farther into this. Because there's a lot of misnomers about blessing. We think blessing, oh, I'm going to get like my bills paid or God's going to... Blessing we view as like the, the cosmic lottery ticket. That's not necessarily what uh, blessing is. So let's just kind of define that. Um, makarios, the uh, Greek word makarios, M-A-K-A-R-I-O-S is the Greek word for blessing. And what it means is to benefit from grace, to be fortunate. I really want to focus in on this first part, to benefit from grace. To step into a blessing is to be a part of, to participate in the grace of God. That's, that's the real blessing. Not a financial blessing, not a, uh, uh, a weather blessing or any other kind of blessings we throw out. Um, we got the little hashtag blessed if we're on Twitter all the time. Just, we kind of take it out of context all, all the time. But what the real thing is to the definition of being a blessing or to be blessed is to benefit from God's grace. That changes the narrative a little bit for me. Because to benefit from grace is to see what God is, is doing in our lives. Is to participate in his story. To be called to do something. And, and through all the fear and through all the stuff going on in our lives, to say, you know what, if I persevere through this moment of fear, I get to step into the blessing. To benefit from grace. To be fortunate. Blessing is on the other side of fear. Blessing 
is on the other side of fear. You know who's not scared, who doesn't deal with fear in the Christmas story? God. He's not like, oh, what if I fail? What if this doesn't work? Like he goes in with it omniscient, so he already knows what, how this is going to work out. I'm going with the plan to die on a cross. Like for me, that would be like, oh, can we think this through a little bit more? But that's, God is going, you know what? I'm coming. I'm coming and the whole plan is for me to restore you. The whole plan is for me to be a blessing to, to put my grace onto humanity, to change the whole narrative where you're trying to earn your salvation, you're trying to hold your teeth right, and you're trying to eat the right things and do the, take the right amount of steps on Saturday and do all this kind of stuff. Let's just wash that away. I'm coming for you. I'm going to be a blessing. And you're all going to benefit from my grace. I want to look in the scriptures. I, got, I want to read several scriptures to you here, um, different encounters that people have with fear and how they react with it uh, here at the Christmas story. Luke 1, 11 through 13 says this. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to them, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah, this is John the Baptist's dad, uh, Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will call him John. He'll be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Luke 1, 26 to 33 says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Luke 2, 9 through 10, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord showed around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, this is to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great, um, <laughs> oops, sorry. Do not be afraid. I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Matthew 1, 20 to 21. But after he considered this, this is to Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because it will save his people from their sins. All these moments, these different snapshots of the happenings of the Christmas story, they are caked in fear. The appropriate response is to be scared. You're going to give me what? I'm an old man. My wife can't have kids. Why would you give me a child now? They're caked in, I had a plan for my life. Why, would, why, 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 huh? I think that's a very spiritual thing to say sometimes is, huh? 
But that's all going on. You, you feel that fear. You feel that, what's going on there. But every time these crossroads are hitting where there's this moment of intense fear, and when the people persevere through that and they, they heed the advice of the angels, don't be afraid of this. Step into it. There's a blessing on the other side. The blessing at this point is they get to be with Jesus. They get to usher him into the world. But the same thing happens for us in all the different circumstances of our lives. We are faced with relationship fear. We are faced with, with uh, career fear, with monetary fear, with all kinds of parenting fear. There's these things that we are scared of and we kind of, we have the choice of are we going to sit in those fear moments? Are we just going to be paralyzed by these fear moments or are we going to persevere through them? Are we going to bust through them? Because on the other side of fear is the blessing. When we go through those fear moments, when we plow through them, maybe when we try to jump over them or we, we go through them, we get to see how God has been acting in our lives. We get to see how the grace of God has been washing over us. In those moments when we're paralyzed with fear, we actually are rejecting a blessing. We're rejecting a moment in which the grace of God can be active in our lives. Some of us, we, uh, we get frustrated that God hasn't been doing anything in our life. We get frustrated. It feels like God's far away. We get frustrated that it feels like, you know, God doesn't care about us anymore. But if we're honest with ourselves, if we take a tally of ourselves, we've really kind of just been paralyzed by fear. We haven't trusted him anything with our finances. We haven't trusted him with our time. We haven't trusted him with our talents. We haven't been obedient in any way, shape, or form, and we just kind of retracted and retracted and retracted and retracted and retracted. But when we persevere, when we push through, on the other side of that is the blessing. That's hard to think about because I... I want to see God just bless me and I don't have to do anything about it. Anybody there? But if you look at the, if you look at the scriptures, anytime Jesus blesses someone, anytime there's a, a miracle happen, anytime someone's uh, restored in health, anytime like food is created, anytime a miracle of fish being caught is happening, there is participation happening on both ends. Now, God, I'm not saying you've got to earn your salvation or anything like that. God does all the miraculous. All the fishermen do on the miracle of catching fish, the, the, the bustling the nets. So they take the fishing nets from this side of the boat to this side of the boat. But they're like, there's a moment of fear. Like, what are you doing? You're not a fisherman. Quit telling me what to do. Oh, I got the big one. That Shamu on this side. He wasn't over here, but I got all the fish on this side. The miracle of the, the loaves and the fishes. It's not like Jesus' power to be like, boom, you know, here's, here's everyone, everyone's got a full belly. He didn't even have to feed them. He could do whatever he wants. He's God, right? But he's like, oh, let's, let's use a tactile thing. Someone's going to be obedient. Could you imagine the fear in that little child? Here's my Lunchable. Do I get a bite? Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, get my Lunchable. <laughs> this is mine. I'm the only one that brought food out of all these jokers. I'll get my own food. I'm going to eat it here, my turkey sandwich. Ha, 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 ha. That would have been Jared, so God wouldn't have worked through me. Um, right? If you think about when he, when, he, when he wants to heal someone, there's always like, take up your mat and walk. There's always that action. 
right? The woman who's healed of the issue of bleeding, she's reaching forward and grabbing the hem of his garment. There's just all these actions where it's just a small, infinitesimal, little, just push through a little bit, fight through that fear, push through those moments. And now the blessing happens. It's bigger and greater than you ever can imagine. There's things in your life. There's relationships that need to be restored. There's issues that need to happen. That There needs to be a little perseverance through that, a little push. And maybe today you can go, okay, I've been scared. I've been paralyzed through that. This, there's blessing on the other side. And as the great theologian Kevin McAllister said, well, at least you'll know. You know, I'm not saying that if you just are a little strong this Christmas season, all your relationships are going to get mended and Christmas parties are going to go great. No, things will be awkward. All right? There's not a 100% success rate in that. It's what it is because there's a person with their own sin issues on the other side. But you got to do what you can do because then at least you will know. I, uh, I struggle with stupid, irrational fears. Anybody else have stupid, irrational fears? I'm going to be very embarrassingly honest with you all. About once or twice a month, I convince myself that Kelly has died in a car wreck. Like, yeah, you can laugh at me. It's okay. It happens. But like once or twice a month, like <laughs> it, it might be a reflection on my own idiosyncrasies and it might be a reflection on Kelly's inability to return a phone call. Uh, <clears throat> there's way too many elbows being uh, thrown there at that moment but like I, I, like I legit like believe I'm like yep alright it's just me and the kids yep we got this okay what am I going to do like I have an action plan already built up in my head of what happens when Kelly dies in a horrible car wreck because people can't drive at Mariano's like that's already in my head why I don't know I'm weird okay um that's incredibly embarrassing to share with you, but I have an option here. To, <laughs> I have an option to deal with in that moment. I can be paralyzed by the fear. I can try to wrap her in bubble wrap because she's pretty important to me. I like her. <laughs> right? <laughs> I get to say nice things to her. She's actually in the service today. This is great. Um, I like her. I enjoy her. I enjoy being a team with her. I enjoy doing life together. I can't imagine trying to raise a child, let alone three, without her in my life. Oh, help me, Jesus. Right? And so that fear just kind of over it comes like a wave. I don't know when it is. And I got to react. Am I going to persevere through that? Or am I going to deal with it? Or am I going to be like, oh, baby, don't ever leave me. You got to stay in this house. I'm putting a shackle on you. You know what? I don't know if you know my wife, but trying to keep her in that, safe in bubble wrap is not going to be good for our relationship. Because how is she going to interpret that? You don't trust me. You think I'm going to do this. You think I'm going to do that. Blah, blah, blah. All this stuff. No, 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 no. It's because I have this stupid irrational fear that you've got to live your life. By me trying to protect her or trying to keep her close or trying to, to placate these silly fears that I have in my life, I could actually push her farther away. I think when we deal with the fears in our own lives, sometimes when we have an action on them or we let them kind of swell us and they, we let them manipulate us, we remove ourselves farther and farther from the blessing that God has for us. It's when we hit them, push through, at least we'll know, we turn the lights on, like Kevin says. Then we get to fully participate in the blessing that God has for us. 
Now that doesn't mean I don't, I, I literally have like, I have a five step process in my brain of what would happen if Kelly passed because maybe I have some weird thing going on. I don't know. My second fear is this, my mom and ice in this place. Like I want to move to San Diego tomorrow with my mama. And you all understand that because if she falls in the ice, bad things happen. That's just tears, but I can be petrified and live a life that says, you know what? I'm going to go over to my mom's and I'm going to do all this stuff. And I'll just walk her like this. My mom would smack me with a snow shovel. If I started treating her like that, because she's like, Jerry, what are you doing? You want me to stay in my house all day? I am called to be a blessing. I am called to love people. And you trying to protect me and being controlled by fear are keeping me from doing that. There's so many different aspects in our lives. I just bring up two really silly ones in my own life to speak into your life. To say there is moments of fear that you're like scared to death of that job. You're scared to death of restoring that relationship. You're scared to death of letting your kid do this or that or whatever they're going to do. And on the other hand side of that fear... It's a huge blessing. God wants to participate in the grace and just shower grace in those moments, just like he does at Christmas. We can get paralyzed by those moments or we can participate in them. I hope this Christmas season is a moment of participation. As Kevin in the clip says, if you turn on the light, it's not that big of a deal. How many of us are scared to death of the furnace? It's silly. We're petrified of it. We don't go to the doctor because we're afraid of what they're going to say. Hey, guess what? Your things are still broken in you just because the doctor didn't say that your things are broken in you, right? You got to turn the light on. Our present doesn't change without our participation. Our present doesn't change without our participation. See, God provided a plan for Mary and Joseph, an out. When King Herod went crazy and wanted to kill all the babies, he, they, an angel came and said, hey, uh, you need to go to Egypt. You're going to go to Egypt. You're going to be safe. It's cool. Go. Mary and Joseph could have said, because they have free will, eh, we'll take our chances here. I don't know what the, the story of the Bible would have looked like when that, that happened. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Would there have been another Moses basket thing going on in Bethlehem? I don't know what would have happened, but they could have, they could have said no. They could have been come to the fear. Oh, we're going to die. Let's hide in our house. That's not what you want to do. You want to go to Egypt. For many of us, we have distinct calls. God has said, hey, do this. Go do that. You, you felt a leading and you said, nah, it's a little too risky. Not going to happen. And you failed to be obedient with your time, with your talent, and with your treasure. And you're wondering where God is. Why are you not showing up in my life? Because you have refused to participate in the blessing that God has for you. So you've got to ask yourself a few questions. Is my fear issue an obedience to God issue? Is my fear issue a selfishness issue? I, that's going to be a yes to me most of the time. I like me. And I like making myself happy in too much of a way. Is my fear really a pride issue? When we start to break down where our fear comes from, when we start to really just examine it and look at it, is this is silly. This is irrational. This is, this is dumb. We show some lights on, we turn on the lights. That's just a furnace that makes weird noises. Then we can persevere, we can plow through it. And on the other side of that fear 
is the blessing. The blessing is on the other side of fear. We miss grace. We miss getting to participate in the amazing, wonderful grace of God because we're paralyzed by fear. That this Christmas season, we would take the examples of Joseph, of the shepherds, of Mary, of Zechariah, of Elizabeth, of all these different characters, all these different amazing people of God who were living normal lives, doing their home thing, just plucked out of the mundane uh, existence that was 2,000 years ago. And God had an amazing calling on their life. And they said no to fear and yes to God. That same challenge, that same offer is to you this Christmas season. Where are there some aspects in your life as you pray and you think this week, where do I need to say no to fear and say yes to God? Let's pray this morning. God, thank you so much for today. And let's... uh, God, I just ask you to speak into our lives. I ask you to anoint our our time together um, this week and this moment as we try to do Christmas well. Um, Lord, there are all kinds of responsibilities. There's choir things to go to, and there's projects to make with the kids, and there's cookies to bake, and there's um, presents to buy, and all this stuff. But God, that we would slow down in this moment and have a have a time where we remember what it's all about. God, as we prepare our hearts for maybe dealing with difficult people or making decisions in the, in the new year or, or, or whatever is fear is, is crashing on us, Lord, that you would give us the strength and the courage to persevere through it, to plow through it, to be obedient through it. And God, that you would be a God of blessing, that you'd be a, a God of grace, that we get to participate fully And whether it's receiving the grace of God or giving the grace of God or just getting to watch the grace of God work. We ask you to move in our lives, to shape us, to guide us, and to be with us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed. Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.